and welcome to the Sports Technology Podcast. In this episode, we speak with Jordan Rapp, professional Ironman and triathlete. Jordan also studied engineering at Princeton University, so he knows how to talk about sports equipment. We speak about how he got into the sport and how he works with his equipment sponsors to improve his gear. For more information, check out our website, sportstechnologypodcast.com, and remember to follow us on Twitter at SportsTechPod. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Technology Podcast. My name is Mike, and with me again today is Henry. Hi! And our guest today is Jordan Rapp. Uh, I met Jordan a few weeks ago at the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference. He was uh, presenting on a panel, and uh, we had a good conversation throughout the conference. And um, he's a professional triathlete, Princeton alum, engineer, and had some good conversations about um, technology and sports and kind of his career as a triathlete. So we're going to talk to him today. Jordan, thank you for for joining us on the podcast and and welcome. And why don't we start with just you introducing yourself a little bit and telling us how you got into triathlon and and some of uh, your experiences there. Well, thanks for having me, Mike and Henry. Looking forward. Always like to chat with some fellow engineers. Uh, you know, I think sometimes you spend so much time training that you uh, exercise everything except your brain. So it's nice every so often to get to actually do do a little thinking since uh, thinking. Uh, can be dangerous uh, when you're training you know you end up getting uh i think where you start questioning yourself and sometimes as good as my coach likes to say to put your head on a shelf or turn your brain off so it's nice every so often to actually get to turn it back on especially since uh i've been a i guess a, a thinker longer than i've been an endurance athlete um i sort of fell into triathlon uh, i was a rower in college at Princeton, and I sort of fell into that. I was uh, I played football, squash, and lacrosse in high school. Sort of just discovered rowing and discovered I had a knack for endurance sports. Um, and then uh, was was hoping to row after college. Uh, you know, hoping to maybe do the Olympics, and uh, got injured and was looking for something to do to sort of stay active and stay in shape and kind of you know take stock of of my plan. Uh, to make it as a rower, discovered triathlon, um, just sort of as somebody that sort of very basically knew how to swim, knew how to bike, and knew how to run. Um, I thought it would be just fun to do for for a summer, and I expected to go back to rowing, and that was ten years ago. So uh, the rowing thing is still on uh, still on hold, and who knows? Maybe uh, I'll make it as a masters rower someday again. It was just sort of one of those things where I think uh, it was the the right place at the in the right time and uh, I think a lot of luck in there and, and certainly some some genetic luck in terms of being uh, well suited to to long stuff but I think uh, certainly now I'm glad that uh, I'm not trying to sort of make a go of it now since I think the sport continues to get more and more competitive and I'm sure that by the time I'll retire I'll, I'll sort of look at it the same way I look at college where oh my god I never would have I never would have made it in I think you know you look at the college admissions and every year you think, oh wow, I would never get into college now, and so I think it. The, I'm I'm glad for that as well. That the, hopefully the sport will pass me by, and uh, that's that's the way things ought to be. That uh, you sort of leave things uh, better than you found them, and hopefully I've been a been a small part of that. That's good. I guess uh, rowing and also uh, triathlon are perhaps some of the more equipment intensive uh, sports. I, I kind of just wonder if uh, if there's something about engineers that are drawn to those types of sports when when you're talking i was just wondering about that but um do you have a, a a favorite piece of equipment that you've used in your in your career yeah i think actually the the one that sort of really made triathlon click for me was 
was the power meter on the bike. I think uh, a lot of that was sort of it made a lot. It, it made riding the bike a lot like you know rowing the ergometer. Um, and I do think that there is certainly uh, you know there's a sense. I there were there were a lot of engineers on the Princeton crew team. That's for sure. Um, and uh, I do think there's certainly I keep meeting a lot of engineers uh, within the triathlon world. So I think uh, I think if I'd known. Uh, how much I would enjoy sort of the gear side of things. I might have ended up being an engineer. I, I sometimes say that I sort of came to love engineering as a result of being a triathlete uh, as opposed to actually going through and studying engineering without sort of having a sense of, well, what do you actually do with all of this? And, and now that I know sort of what you can do with it, I, I might have chosen a different career path. But uh, I'm happy with the one that I have and happy it worked out the way that it did. Um, and happy that someone else, uh, some other engineer, decided uh, to invent, and then uh, uh, you know many engineers have continued to refine the power meter. But for me, I think it's that idea of being able to to quantify what it is that you're doing in in this very uh, real and direct and instantaneous way made a lot of sense. I think uh, you know it was so much like rowing uh, in that way that you know you sort of had this constant feedback. Uh, of what it is that you're doing, you know, sort of every pedal stroke. And uh, I think some people are intimidated by that, but for me it, it sort of was the thing that made triathlon really uh, start to make sense. Do you think it's a competitive ad advantage having kind of that engineering background and you're able to really communicate with the people that are actually designing the gear that you're using and kind of you can have conversations that like maybe push the boundaries of what you're trying to do from the performance side and trying to maximize what your body is trying to do but also from the technology side and getting the equipment to kind of match that level of performance i think there's pluses and minuses you know i think uh there are those athletes that are i, I think you know they're totally unfazed by a lot of you know say the, the the small mishap um you know i think uh i'm a little bit neurotic about sort of maintaining my equipment so that mishaps don't happen but at the same time you know i'm probably a bit less a bit less easygoing than some other athletes, which I think, uh, you know, certainly also has its downsides. I mean, not everything about that is an advantage. You know, I think uh, I would probably, I'm probably a little bit less adaptable in some ways. Uh, but at the same time, I think I'm, I'm meticulous so that I, you know, maybe don't have to be as adaptable. Um, but I think that, I think that there is, there's always got to be a downside. You know, you'd be fooling yourself to say, oh, this is, this is the best way to do things. I think, uh, you know, sometimes I wish that I was maybe a bit more of a kind of of a racer, I guess you could say, you know, to sort of throw caution to the wind a little bit. Um, that's not really in my personality, but I, I try and sort of I try and, you know, grab it, you know, when the opportunity presents itself. But certainly I would say that if there was one thing where I would say, you know, every so often I feel like I, I might have I might have gotten more out of myself if I was willing to kind of just uh take some some chances i think a little bit more but uh you know then there's the downsides to having that sort of attitude as well so i think that's interesting i mean um as a i i face a little bit of that obviously not to the level that you're you're talking about but uh, kind of as an engineer playing baseball at mit and then also working on the baseball bats at the same time like it was interesting to be kind of that close to the product and having an impact and say on what what design decisions go into it um and is can you just talk us or like give us some examples of how you may work with um, some of your equipment partners or um, sponsors and kind of tuning up for a race and and even during the training? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that I sort of didn't answer that part of the question, which is something that that I do enjoy a lot that I, you know, I do actually get to work with the engineering development, uh, you know, uh, teams at, at, you know, several of the companies that I, that I work with, um, you know, and that's always something that I enjoy a lot. And uh, I try and really sort of make sure that there's the opportunity to do that. You know, when I sign with a new company, I say, you know, am I going to have a chance to be a part of a sort of new product development and that sort of thing? And, uh, you know, to do some feedback and, you know, give some feedback. And, you know, I'm always sort of careful to say that I'm not really, I'm not really engineering anything. You know, I'm, I'm so far, I mean, the technology now has advanced so far, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, CFD, computational fluid dynamics and, and, you know, the CAD work and all that, that, you know, I would be, I'm, I'm so far removed from that, that I, I, don't, I don't think I'd have any really meaningful contributions in terms of, hey, have you thought about trying this, this sort of airfoil? It's more, I think, you know, being able to speak in a, in a technical way, and sort of understanding things and not sort of just saying, oh, yes, this feels good or bad or fast or slow, I think, to sort of try and give a little bit more feedback. I think it's sort of easiest maybe by way of example uh, when when Zip, uh, the, the wheel uh, carbon fiber uh, you know, manufacturer and wheel company came out with their new carbon clinchers, uh, I did a lot of, of testing on those the early versions of those wheels. And uh, one, I remember running some sort of wider than normal tires and finding that in what sort of seemed to be a bit atypical that the wheels did not handle as well uh, with the wider tires and sort of having this discussion. And what we ultimately sort of came to the conclusion was is that the, the contact patch was wider as opposed to being longer and then that provided less resistance to steering torque uh, when there were gusts of wind. And so I think being able to sort of have that discussion and really drill down uh, in that way and sort of being able to, to make sense of what it was that I was feeling and to give some, some really useful feedback as opposed to just saying, oh, the wheels didn't feel as good with these tires to sort of say, well, this is what I was feeling and let's see if we can figure out sort of why. And now I think that was, that was useful and it was something that I don't think that, you know, they had uh, necessarily considered in that, in that way. And I think that was a, that was valuable. Um, and so I think it's, it's that sort of thing where I would say the background that I have at engineer starts to become useful um, in that I can provide, I think, more constructive feedback and maybe be a bit more objective and, and detail oriented than someone that, that maybe lacks a, an under, that same sort of understanding of what it is that these companies are really trying to achieve with a lot of this stuff. So I think it, it's more that uh, I can maybe understand a, a bit more what the, the design goals are and then hopefully give some feedback along those lines that, you know, uh, help the company, you know, understand whether or not their design goals are being achieved. That's good. That's a that's an interesting example. I think that's one of the challenges that, that we on the engineering side face is, is finding ways to communicate performance or to have, to have that dialogue with, with those who know performance best. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's great to hear. Is there anything kind of along those lines? Is there anything that, that stands out to you as an area where there could be improvement either in, in bikes or, um, I don't know, like swimming apparel or shoes or, or any other, other pieces of equipment you use? I think the big thing in the, the trend now is, is really, I guess, sort of making everything smarter. I mean, the, the one sort of exception to that is I think with the bikes, the idea is really that, 
there's some folks that believe that they can, you know, make a bike that essentially when, you know, adds basically zero drag to the, the rider that essentially once you are aboard the bike that you would have no more drag than if you were just sort of moving through space in the exact same position with nothing under you sort of, you know, figuring out how the, these airfoils can interact with the rider so that the, the bike alone uh, you know, is obviously go- always going to have some drag, but somehow then when you put the rider on it, it sort of reduces the drag with the rider. And I think that's sort of the holy grail among the bike designers, uh, and they're sort of chasing that. Um, but I think for everybody else, it, it seems to be sort of more a lot of this data management type of thing. Um, you know, heads-up displays, I think you've seen that now for the first time in, you know, in ski and, and snowboard goggles. And I think there are companies that are working to bring that to actually just, you know, a pair of sunglasses. I think, you know, obviously Google Glass being a high-end version of that. But, uh, yeah, I think that's that's one area. Are these, uh, are these like, heads-up displays and other sorts of um, information, is that something you would imagine using during a race to pace yourself, in a sense, or to, to monitor yourself, or more of a training aid? I, no, I mean, I think it's it's... It's actually the the data is already there for monitoring yourself. You know, you I, I race on the bike with a power meter and then on the run with a GPS watch. But one of the things that's inconvenient, especially on can be on the bike, is that you have to you have to look at this thing, and that can that can be a bit of a hassle because it's not always right. so easy to mount it in a place where you sort of are able to maintain your most optimal position and be looking down the road. And then also being able to see the the numbers that you want, and so I think the idea with some of these heads up displays is that you take out that this need to sort of figure out, okay, I, I have to put the the sort of the computer that I'm going to use somewhere, um, and then how do I balance making it convenient, but then not making it sort of obtrusive, and and I think the idea is that you know you can take away this need to, to look at a device that it's sort of that is it, it's just presented there to you. So you can always be looking down the road and sort of and maintaining, you know, your most optimal position and not sort of having to even I think, you know, on the run, not even having to sort of look down at your wrist or, or raise your raise your arm to, you know, look at your watch. And you think that how much does that really matter? But at the same time, you know, it is really the devil is in the details. Uh, right. So you can if you can, you know, save just that little bit you know, I think that is that is worth something. Compared to a lot of sports, triathlon seems to be very receptive, or triathletes and kind of the governing bodies seem to be very receptive to new technology coming in and um, kind of an arms race, so to speak, of, of what you can do in, in the sport. So um, I guess, like, from your experience, like, is there, like, um, kind of a big push to see what the next latest and greatest innovation is or is it more like kind of striking this balance between the kind of like the the tradition or kind of maintaining a, an element of natural athleticism versus kind of technology enhanced so to speak i i think the tradition with triathlon is, is really how much can we throw away of you know the past right if there's one tradition i would think that it's it's embracing change it's uh, it's not so much this. Uh, there's not, I don't think, this uh, adherence to the past. I guess you could say the it's the tradition is to be incredibly forward looking, and I think in sometimes you know maybe too much so that you know there is a little bit of this sense of 
it becoming an arms race, uh, which I think can be a good term, you know, especially triathlon, you know, you think it is uh, equipment for three sports uh, plus then the, you know, specific triathlon equipment, uh, you know, wetsuits and, you know, tri suits and, and that sort of thing. So it's, it's certainly not a cheap sport and it does seem to be getting even more expensive. And I think, you know, if there's a downside to all this, you know, innovation, it's that, that you, you spend all this, you know, uh, amateur athletes are spending all this money and then, you know, they can feel like they've just bought something and it's already outdated. And you, I, it sort of feels a little bit at times like, you know, a computer where as soon as you buy, you know, a new phone or a new computer, it's already, you know, outdated. And I think that there's, it's not quite that bad in triathlon, but it, you know, it, it's, it sometimes feels like it's getting there with the, the latest and greatest always being sort of, you know, eclipsing what came before. Um, and I think that's a hard balance because I, I do think that, you know, that ultimately we haven't gotten to a point yet where it has sort of diminished, uh, the athleticism component of it, where it's not just the guy, the guy, it's not the guy who has the best equipment that wins the race. I I do think that we still are at a point where it's the best athlete that wins the race. And I think that's what we all want to want to hold on to, um, but I, I'm sure that there's a tipping point somewhere, and I don't think we've gotten there yet, but I hope that, you know, when we sort of see it coming, that we can maybe, you know, eliminate it before we cross that line. Are there any things now you'd identify as 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 places where we're getting to that line? Like, um, I don't know whether it's uh, texture textures on the tri-suits or maybe maybe some of the aerodynamic stuff where, where we're just, just about to kind of cross the line, I suppose? Or? Yeah, I mean, I certainly think that the bike would be the one where more than anything else, you run the risk of, of having this arms race in some sense because it's the, there's the most opportunity, you know, with wheels and bike frame and helmet to, to, I think, really maximize aerodynamics. Whereas, you know, without getting into obviously a propulsion device, which, you know, is always going to be disallowed. There's only so much you can do on the swim. And I think, uh, you know, the great debate about, you know, that running shoe technology hasn't really evolved since, you know, you know, Bob Bowerman, uh, and, uh, you know, Phil Knight and those, those early kind of the, the, the early days of Nike that we haven't necessarily actually made that much forward progress since then. Um, it doesn't seem that those are, are the things where there's a, there's a huge risk. Um, although it does, I, I would say that more generally, it actually seems that running is probably the one where technology is probably the biggest factor. I think you saw that with Oscar Pistorius, the, you know, the so-called blade runner with the two prosthetic legs. And they actually realized that he was faster than if he had, you know, I guess for lack of a better term, regular legs. Um, and I, you know, I think that, brought it up that it really is only a matter of time before somebody sort of voluntarily chooses to amputate their own legs in order to make themselves faster. And people, I've I've said that independent, I mean, in some communities you say that and people look at you like you're totally insane. And I think, you know, do you really not believe that's going to happen when you think about all these drugs that people are willing to take that you really don't think that some athlete will, will take that gamble. And then you say it sort of within an elite athlete community and, and people sort of nod knowingly like to say that, yes, that's a real concern. And I would say that that's probably the first area in sort of sports more generally, this idea of these, these prosthetic limbs that are then more advanced than, than natural limbs. Um, 
that being a big area of concern, uh, particularly for running. And then I think within triathlon itself, I would say it, it's probably this this arms race on the bike where you have established athletes that, you know, have access to this equipment through their sponsors. And then they have this enormous advantage over athletes that are sort of breaking in that are, are you know, in many cases, you know, trying to kind of scrape together to buy their own equipment. And I think putting them at a further disadvantage if they can't uh, then, you know, buy the best stuff. Right, absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a difficult question to answer, and I think, um, yeah, I think it's just uh, up to like both the equipment manufacturers and and more so the athletes and spectators to kind of. I think, hopefully, it'll be the point where it's one of those things when you know it when you see it, like that things are, are becoming have gone too far. But so for the time being, now you you recently competed in the in the Melbourne. Ironman. So, what's next? What um, what's the the next race or goal you're you're aiming for? I mean, the the next big goal will be Ironman World Championships in Kona in October. But uh, the next race uh, is the Half Ironman U.S. Championships in St. George, Utah. That's coming up in about three and a half weeks, um, beginning of May. Um, but it's sort of after the race at Melbourne. Uh, you know, I'm really I'm an Ironman, uh, you know, I am a triathlete, but Ironman is certainly my forte. And so, um, you know, Kona is the big goal. And I mean, not to say that I'd be uh, shortchanging those other races, but you can only be at your best so many times a year. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping obviously to have good races, but Kona will be the next, the next race where I would say that I, I'm hoping for, you know, something extraordinary out of myself. So. Very cool. So with that, I think we'll we'll wrap it up. A very informative discussion on kind of your background and, and the triathlon world. And um, if people want to find out more and keep track of kind of your progress and, and what you're doing on the um, on the bike and the swim and the run, where would you point them to? So you can just go to my website, which is just uh, Rapstar, so R-A-P-P, and then star like a star in the sky, all one word, uh, .com, and then that actually just redirects to to a blog that I maintain, but that's sort of just my website. And there are links there to Facebook page and Twitter feed and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but that sort of is the, I guess, the clearinghouse. Uh, you can find find me pretty much anywhere on the Internet uh, starting from there. Very good. And we'll post all those links as well up to uh, the Sports Tech Podcast website when we launch this. So, Jordan, thank you so much for, for your time and good luck with all the training and the races coming up. Yes, thanks, Jordan. Thanks. Good luck. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Thanks, Henry. And that is the episode. Thank you, Jordan. And thanks, listeners, for listening. For more information and some links, go to our website, sportstechnologypodcast.com. And remember to follow us on Twitter at SportsTechPod. Thanks. Bye.